Gary DePaul with Unlabeled Leadership. Welcome to episode 25, Jessica Bronzert Gets Comfortable with Ambiguity. Let's get started. Jessica can work at either the micro or macro level. One day she may be coaching an executive, the next she could be leading an enterprise-wide initiative. In both cases, she's doing the same thing. She's driving change. You could think of it like helping individuals grow and helping organizations change. Regardless of whatever it is, Jessica can get it done. But it's more than just getting things done and helping organizations. She spends a lot of her time with stewardship, giving back to helping professionals by doing presentations, webinars, as well as keynote talks. Because of her experiences working in corporate America and even running her own business, she's accumulated a lot of stories about leadership and what leadership looks like. And you're about to hear some stories that may be helpful as we go through this COVID-19 pandemic. Part 1, Invitation to Slow Down. The pandemic has had an effect on all of us in one capacity or another. And Jessica, she doesn't have some special immunity to the work effects that several of us have experienced. Jessica shares with us an unexpected change. Here's Jessica. I want to set the stage that we are in the middle of this global pandemic and we're at the beginning really or just into the beginning of the second wave of the pandemic. And I read a very interesting article um, in Harvard Business Review that was published in the middle of December that was drawing some distinctions between what the first wave and the second wave of the pandemic have been like from a, a resilience perspective. And it really got me thinking about where I am now and how I'm experiencing the pandemic and reflecting back on other times when things felt this way. So in general, I'm the distinction that the article offered was that the first wave of the pandemic was really fueled by a lot of adrenaline, that it was novel, scary, and that we had a lot of energy and stimulation from it because it was new. And that now it's pretty boring. We've been doing this for 10 months, maybe. Um, yeah, we're monotonously, up on. yes, monotonously boring. Yeah, that it, and, and that there is no adrenaline <laughs> associated with the second wave of the pandemic. And we're still pretty confined. We still really can't travel safely. We can't go to work safely. Our daily lives are still very not normal, as it were. And I think the invitation largely, and one candidly that I have been resisting at times, which is why I've been thinking about it, is to slow down and relax and go with the flow of the slower pace and quieter way of living during this time and staying closer to home. And I've actually had a kind of a rough week where I really want to get on a plane. I really want to be with other people. I really want to see new places. That desire to be out in the world feels very strong for me this week in particular. And so I feel a lot of (laughs) resistance. Um, Would this be like a seasonal cabin fever? Yeah, maybe. (laughs) Maybe a seasonal affective disorder. Yeah, because it's gray. I'm looking out the window right now. It's gray and gloomy and it's cold. 
And so I've just been reflecting a lot on the times in my life when there was the invitation to slow down or to not run so hard or to be fallow, as it were, and not, you know, not need to be so productive. I think the earliest time that I remember being given this message was when I was in undergrad. I was an undergrad at Michigan State studying um, public policy, social relations, and there was an opportunity to apply for, I don't know, some very big award to travel and study abroad and do a big research project. But for some reason, it felt pretty overwhelming and pretty intimidating to me. But I felt like this is something that I should do. You know, I should yeah. pursue this opportunity because it looks really good. And I remember sitting with my advisor and she was asking me what I thought about it. And I said, I just feel tired when I look at this application. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, then don't do it. If you don't feel energized by it and you don't feel excited by it and it feels overwhelming, it's okay to say no. Oh, that's and interesting. I I remember what a relief that was to be given the permission to not do something, <laughs> to not do something. And so I'm trying now to give myself permission to not do things, to be respectful of how my energy feels low and I feel kind of funked out about things related to the pandemic. And it sort of ebbs and flows. I don't feel this way every day or every week here after the holidays and all of the energy that goes into the holidays and kind of getting back to the same old pandemic routine, it does feel a little bit yuckier right now. I'm remembering back to that advisor and the other times um, along the way where I've been given the invitation to just follow my, my felt sense or my intuition or my need, you know, my low energy to just not do so much or to take a rest when I want to. Yeah, there's, there's all these opportunities around us and a lot of them we don't even see the challenge is trying to find those opportunities and taking the ones that we should take but here's a situation where you do have opportunities there and they're forthcoming but you know sometimes it's good to say no i don't want to go through that door to that opportunity and it's just not right at this time. And I need to slow down and regroup and focus on some other things. Yeah. And I have found myself really thinking about the things that come across my desk, not from a concrete, I don't know, financial or ambitious or reputational perspective, you know, like how is this going to help me or can I get this done? But more of an energetic perspective. Do I feel like I have the energy for this and do I really want to like is this going to feed my soul kind of a thing and so I'm trying to only say yes to the things that re that really feel like they're going to have a sense of joy for me or a sense of growth that I want you know not that I feel like I should do so it's a it's trying to stay trying to disconnect a little bit from that uh, very common it may American but I suspect a lot of cultures around the world sub subscribe to this on some level you know, that ambition and that productivity mindset, that achiever mindset that we have, that it's okay not to be that way sometimes. Yeah. And this is kind of like external drivers and motivators versus the intrinsic and what really taps into what we enjoy doing and would love to do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it feels very much like trying to use internal measures and metrics and feelings and, and emotions and senses as opposed to external ones for how to make how to make decisions during this time. 
Part 2, Leading During the Pandemic. One of the seven leadership principles I talk about is called connecting with others. And with the challenges of remote work during this pandemic, it's more important than ever. Jessica shares some stories that illustrates this. Again, here's Jessica. As an executive coach, I'm working with a lot of a lot of leaders and have witnessed many really interesting and inspiring examples of leadership related to leading through the pandemic, which I think has challenged leaders in ways that we have not been challenged before or not recently anyway. And that sort of relates back to what I was talking about earlier about the fatigue and the constraints and the the level of ambiguity and complexity really that is present during during this time. And so what I have seen that I have just found so so inspiring is leaders who are getting super creative and super present to how to support their team, their employees, the people that work in their organization. Because burnout is even more present than it was before, and people are, people are bored, yet the work continues, the, the question of how to engage and motivate people and deal with the myriad of issues that come up with, have I been exposed? How do I handle childcare? Am I going to the office or not? There are so many, so many issues that are sort of at the bottom of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Am I safe? Is everybody taken care of? That leaders are really having to let go of a lot of the more strategic higher order um, initiatives or things that they think about and kind of drop back down to these more basic building blocks of leadership in order to just keep the foundation in place or or reinforce the foundation of uh, people being at work and leading people. And it's been really inspiring to see some of the ways that leaders are are doing that. Give a couple of examples of some of the creative things that you've seen. One leader that um, I work with brought into one of our coaching sessions, this was before the holidays, and he was saying that normally their firm would have a big blowout holiday party um, Mm -hmm. and would really go all out to, to celebrate and thank everybody on the team for all the work they had done during the year. And obviously that was not, not going to be possible in pandemic land. And so he really wanted to brainstorm what were all of the possible alternative options for how to really make people feel valued at the end of what had been an even more difficult year than normal. And so I really appreciated his thinking about that and his sincere concern for for making sure that people felt valued. He ended up deciding on giving people more time off. Actually, I don't remember exactly how much time off it was, but they just let everybody, you know, take an, take an extra day or two off work and have a long weekend around the holidays or to, to add on to the vacation they were already going to take as a way of saying thank you and, and giving people a rest from the Zoom and the phone and, and, and being in that virtual environment. Another leader has gotten really good um, or is doing some really good work around focusing the, the agenda. Uh, or the strategic plan that they're that the organization is working on. There's been a realization that just keeping the organization functioning and providing service to their customers is taking a tremendous amount of effort. So the strategic plan that had all of these 
big initiatives on it that they would have tackled for the year is getting seriously dialed back in an acknowledgement that just daily operations are going to be plenty for this year. So that's another, that's another example of, of what I'm seeing where leaders are really adapting what they're doing uh, given the circumstances that we're in right now. This environment, this virtual environment that we're experiencing, it sounds like there's some additional needs. It's not just you're with, with in white collar work where you're going from in-person meetings to virtual meetings. There's all the stuff that's packaged around it. And, you know, you, you were talking about hierarchy of needs. There's a need for being social, being appreciated, being mm-hmm. part of the tribe, so to speak, and mm-hmm. reinforcing mm-hmm. that you're part of the tribe. It sounds like if you're going to lead in this type of environment, you really need to reinforce the importance and the appreciation and the gratitude for all that people are going through right now. Yeah, I really, I really like that. And what you made me think of is that the headline for this might be, we really have to see our humanity. <laughs> we can't yeah. really look at people as workers, I I mean, or not only workers, but that if we don't see people's humanity and people's struggles and the toll really that this pandemic is taking on the vast majority of people, not everybody, there are some people who are living their best pandemic life, but for most of us, that's not the case, that if we don't see that humanity, we're really missing the boat uh, from a leadership perspective. What does this resonate with you when with parents? There are full-time workers, there are suddenly virtual workers, and there's a whole bunch of responsibility added on to being teacher as well as parent. Mm-hmm. What I've heard that when the boss contacts, I'll give you one specific example. This one manager starting off a virtual meeting would tap in and say, start off by saying, how are you doing? And how are things going with your kids? I know that's really important. And this employee said, just the fact that my manager did that every time meant so much to me Mm -hmm. that I was able to refocus and be able to handle the work more than if he had not. Yes. I I heard another fun one that I actually stole. I don't remember where I heard this, but somebody, you know how when we used to have Zoom calls pre-pandemic, it was sort of like, you could count, we sort of looked down on interruptions from pets or children or the doorbell ringing. And somebody, and I wish I could remember who, but they flipped it on its head once the pandemic started that you actually got points every time you were interrupted on a Zoom call. <laughs> and whoever had the <laughs> most points at the end would win. And I, rem- I remember being on a Zoom call with somebody and their really huge dog, probably an 80 pound dog, climbed up in their lap. <laughs> oh, I love it. During the Zoom call, and we just, you know, I, so I, t- I was actually leaving that meeting, and I just turned it around. I said, well, you win. You have a huge dog in your lap um, on a work call. That clearly wins. And everybody loves, we actually like to yeah. see people's children and animals. It gives us joy. So I think there's an, a huge opportunity to, re, you know, this is part of seeing people's humanity, to like reframe how we view people's personal lives, that maybe there should not be such a, a barrier or a line in between our personal and our professional lives um, as a result of this. Yeah, it's not so rigid. And you're right, you cannot, comp- I, the, the, me- the lesson I think is you cannot compartmentalize your personal out of work 
experiences from your work experiences because one affects the other. Yeah, and I think we we know from some of the leadership literature, I know we don't want to get too wonky uh, here today, but but as we grow as humans, that our lives do become more integrated when we think about our work and our lives as more integrated, that we don't hold them hold them as such separate entities. So, you know, maybe there's something positive in that line sort of being forcibly blurred for so many of us. I love it. And by the way, I have a new term now, wonky. (laughs) I'm happy to be wonky, but we're trying not to do that today. Part three, embrace ambiguity. the pandemic, market changes, environmental disasters, there's a lot of stuff going on that you cannot predict. Jessica doesn't really give you advice, but she gives you something better, and that's an invitation. Here's Jessica. Well, given the things that are occupying my brain right now, sort of my own lived experience of the pandemic and the things that I'm wrestling with and and thinking about and the things that I'm seeing a lot of in my in my work my invitation to anybody who's listening is to to consider what does it look like to let go yeah. in this time what does it look like to stop choking it um so much right i think we uh, like to pride ourselves on on having at least a high sense of perceived control and the pandemic has really, really challenged that. So it, it's an opportunity to get comfortable with ambiguity, to get comfortable with complexity, to get comfortable with um, plans being uh, unable to be made or disrupted as soon as they are made. And I think the practice or the invitation is to relax into that or to try to. I admittedly am having a really hard time doing that this week. It's not that way for me all the time, but I do notice uh, my own ability to relax and go with the flow uh, changes. And so it's, it's a growth area for me, a growth edge. Um, and so I invite, I invite your listeners into that practice with me. Thank you, Jessica Bronzer. To learn more about Jessica and her company, The Sparks Group, go to the show notes. If you would like to leave a comment or a question, go to unlabeledleadership.com, click the message icon, and you can leave a voicemail up to one minute. Maybe I'll play it on the air. Thank you for your support for the show. And most importantly, thank you for listening. Until next time, lead on.